Welcome to the LaughSpin.com podcast. Hey guys, what's up? It's Dylan from LaughSpin.com and welcome to yet another episode of the LaughSpin podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for subscribing. If you aren't a subscriber, please do so. You can do it on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher, all those good places. We really do appreciate it. If you are unfamiliar with the LaughSpin podcast, maybe you are, maybe this is the first time you're tuning in. That's fine. Welcome. Welcome to the Laugh Spin Podcast. But if you are unfamiliar with it, basically every week myself and co-host Mike uh, deliver 30 minutes to an hour of comedy news. Sometimes we rant, we have a bunch of laughs. It's a good time. And then sometimes we do these special episodes wherein I interview some of my favorite comedians. And that is what you are listening to today. This episode I'm very excited about. It features my interview with Ted Alexandro. He was nice enough to let me into his home in Queens. Why did I talk to Ted now? Why now, Dylan? Why did we talk to Ted Alexandro now? I will tell you why. It's been 10 years since Ted released his first special entitled As Much As You Want. If you don't have it, I highly suggest you pick it up. And I also, more importantly, highly suggest you go to tedalexander.com on February the 14th, Valentine's Day, because it is then and it is there at tedalexander.com that you will be able to download and or stream for whatever price you want a brand new stand-up comedy special. It's called I Did It and You Need to Go Check It Out. So what did we talk about? Ted and I, we talked about a lot. We talked about uh, the the mundane things that I find very interesting about a comedian's life, uh, what he goes through every day. We talk about his evolution, how he sort of unplugged from the business of comedy for a bunch of years and, and sort of found himself in really great opportunities and, and finding, you know, a really good rhythm to his career without the business, without the business side of comedy. We do a little life coaching, mostly Ted to me. I'm always up for some life coaching. Uh, Ted uh, is, a, uh, is a very wise man, I believe. He taught me a lot and I think he's got a lot of uh, really cool, valuable things to say just in the way of of life, of living your life. Not that he tells you how to live a, live your life, but um, I think he's I think he's got a lot of valuable things to say. In addition to him being funny, so I'm going to shut up. I really do appreciate you uh, tuning into the Laugh Spin podcast, and hopefully you enjoy my chat with Ted as much as I enjoyed chatting with Ted. Ted Alexandro, yes, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. How about that weather we're having? Crazy weather. It's crazy weather. Um, you need gloves. You do. You definitely need gloves. You can't, you can't get cocky like I did. You found that out the hard way. And um, you start to really, not to get uh, super uh, uh, introspective here, but you kind of start feeling bad for homeless people a lot. That does occur to me. Yeah. 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 Even just like walking a block when it's frigid, I'm like, wow, that's uh, how do they do it? Yeah. I had I had my left hand out. I was walking around your neighborhood before this. So uh, we're in Queens, by the way. Everybody who's listening, we're in Ted Alexandro's home. Thank you for welcoming me. My pleasure. Into your into your home. As I said, it gave me an excuse to clean. <laughs> well, it looks lovely. <laughs> Thank you. It looks lovely. Now I I've brought a a, a bag from the market in. Mm -hmm. My coat is there, and I have two bags and a black T-shirt on the ground. So now. Now it feels more like home. Now, now it feels like <laughs> you haven't you haven't cleaned at all. Um, but yeah, I was walking, I could not find a, uh, the difference, uh, well, there's many differences between, you know, like a borough like Queens and Manhattan, there are not, uh, they're not public trash cans, right. uh, every two feet. Right. So I was like, I didn't have gloves on, no big deal. I'm going to shove them in my pockets, but I also had a, a Dunkin' Donuts cup and I didn't obviously want to just throw it on the street. Mm -hmm. So I was holding it in my left hand for, I don't know, maybe five minutes. Uh, and I could, I tried to text somebody and I could barely move my fingers. So that's yeah. one hand for five minutes. So you had the, the hot coffee kind of warming the palm. Well, well it was empty at oh, this, empty at at this point. point. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I had no, 
nothing, no protection. No protection. Yeah. So that's five minutes and just one appendage exposed. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had the same where, uh, just there's a store on the corner that occasionally late night I'll, I'll run out for some kind of purchase or other. Yeah. And, uh, same thing. I'm like, I don't need gloves. It's just down the block. Yeah. And then like, I really feel like I, I may have lost use of my hand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's no joke. Yeah. It is. It's no joke. And like right now, like my hand has that like kind of Bernie yeah. sensation now. <laughs> yes. Uh, but so uh, I feel grateful that I, I have a home. Yeah. And such. That's right. It does remind you. So tell me. I'm looking, seeing as, uh, you know, I'm getting some, uh, I have, I am, I'm in your house. I'm getting some color about how you live your life. Please. Um, let's talk. T- t- what, tell me about this. Uh, there's a, there's a painting on, you have like a, what kind of green would you consider this on your, on your main wall here? I call it avocado, but yeah, maybe it's a little lighter than that. No, I think avocados, I think that's accurate now, but there's a tree painted did you do this or was yeah i I did that occasionally i get inspired to try artistic projects yeah and uh you know it's the kind of thing that could go horribly wrong you know like painting a tree on your wall yeah um but i figured yeah let me just try if it's bad i'll paint over it so i just painted a tree which is kind of nice because just out the window are real trees (laughs) um so yeah i just kind of almost like a continuation of what's out my window just this these tree branches and and some a few birds that were stenciled on yeah yeah i was gonna say there's a tree right there it it looks as if i mean it's there's a branch pointing the same exact way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you did that you didn't like you just did that um freehand freehand yeah i was gonna say freehand yeah i kind of eyeballed what was out there and uh just tried to approximate what a tree would look like on my wall (laughs) (laughs) it looks good thanks man i like it and i wanted to like yeah you see i kind of took it up onto the ceiling yeah like i figured the further and weirder it goes it's like its own cool little corner i like it i like it so what other um would do you do other artistic things i mean you are an artist after all you're a musician you're a comedian yeah yeah you know music is a big thing like just playing uh piano Mm. singing a bit uh there's a a little cafe just down the road here waltz astoria that does open mic night i passed there yeah i should have walked in yeah yeah it's a nice little spot Uh, i spent a lot of time there during the day writing yeah because it's it's so close by and it's nice and quiet good place to to hang um but they have open mic nights at, at you know like probably two or three days a week so I'll go down there from time to time uh, to do music. You know? Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of comedians will show up. Oh, really? Younger comedians, you know, new guys or, or even like veterans sometimes will pop in there uh, and they'll see me. And like the last time I went, this young kid was like, oh, I don't want to follow you. But I was there to play music. I oh, was like, OK. I, was like, I don't think you'll have any trouble. <laughs> um, not that you would any other day, but yeah, it's. Yeah, it was. I was just playing. I played a couple tunes. Uh, you know, I like to do things that take me a little out of my comfort zone and you know scare me. Um, yeah, I like doing those things, especially artistically, uh, and because it, it always feels fun, no matter how it goes, and you know, especially when it goes well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I, I I think that's important because I think. I mean, it sounds it sounds corny and cliche, but. I think what starts to happen, uh, even, you know, if, even if you don't have a, if you don't have a creative job or, you know, if you do have a creative job, I think it starts becoming like, I mean, as stupid as it sounds like, like a job. And I think mm-hmm. it's good to kind of, like you said, scare yourself, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. Yeah. It's a muscle, you know, I think it's like any other muscle that you develop. And I think that muscle of, uh, feeling uncomfortable and embracing it and knowing that, you know, you're not going to die or that, you know, even it kind of just helps you be okay with yourself that no matter how this goes, you know, I mean, like, what are, what are you waiting for? You know, I'm 45 now. So it's like, if I can't like take chance, you know, like maybe when you're younger, you're a little more concerned about how you look or failing. Right. But now I just do things cause they're fun anyway. And I enjoy them. Right. And hopefully that comes across. Right. Yeah. 
And it makes sense. I mean, and it's not like you, uh, you know, you are, you are a, uh, uh, you, you are a musician. So it's not, it's not like you're doing something complete. It's not like you're doing, you know, it's not like you're doing something that I've never done. Yeah. Right. No, it's true. I I went to college for jazz piano, uh, but it's not a muscle that I, that I as sharp, you know, so I'll play at home a bunch. I have a keyboard and, uh, you know, so I'll get into grooves where I play a lot. Um, but then, like, you know, it'll just hit me, like, oh, maybe I... Because there's a difference playing alone in, in your apartment. Oh, absolutely. In front of people, you know? So uh, so that's the fun thing of, like... And singing, too, because, you know, I mean, I, I... You know, I did musical theater in high school and college. Yeah. I, I can carry a tune. But, like, singing and playing, you know, it's a different thing. So, yeah, uh, yeah it was fun, man. That's, that's cool. That's cool. I'll have to stop by and... Uh See you perform that way. <laughs> well, you'll have to like, hit the lottery because I just <laughs> once every two years. But I'm I'm trying to do it more often actually because I do I do like it. Yeah, yeah. I always wish. Uh, I mean, I was always in bands, but I I, I I'm a drummer, mm-hmm. so which is great. But it's not the type of thing. I wish I had learned to play the piano or at least the guitar because it's not you can't you can't hang out at home and do that. You know what I mean? Sure. You can't. You need space. You need a tolerant family around you. <laughs> Something that won't disturb neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. So it gets a little, um, yeah. Like I'd like to be able to sit in my room and, and play music, but I, I have to learn an instrument that you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, even my keyboard, like nine times out of 10, I'll keep my headphones, headphones on. Yeah. You know, the, the other time I'll, I'll plug the speakers in if it's like during the day or something. Right. But yeah, I am. You know, you're mindful of who's around. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about the special. So, you got a special. Uh, by the time people hear this, maybe it, maybe it'll be. Uh, it's coming out on Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Why Valentine's Day? It just all came <laughs> together perfectly. <laughs> it wasn't a master plan, but it kind of was. <laughs> all right. So, I, I have not. I have not seen the special uh, as of as of this recording. Um. But tell me, I mean, uh, I, I've complained about uh, you not putting something out uh, for, <laughs> a, for a long, for, to you. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I, th- I feel it's important you know uh, that you're annoying, that you're annoying me. Right. <laughs> I've been painting and playing music. You've been pl- painting and playing music. <laughs> Meanwhile, every every Joe Schmo comedian with 12, with 12 minutes is putting out an album. Four albums, yeah. Yeah. So why? Why did it take so long, Ted? It's a good question. And I've asked myself the same question uh, over the years. I put out as much as you want in uh, 2004, Mm -hmm. about 10 years ago. It's a long time. Um, And since I've done, uh, you know, Comedy Central half hour. Mm -hmm. So that did come out in the interim. But um, yeah, I think it was just a, a case of a few things. One being that a lot of my material in the interim uh, started to become topical mm-hmm. or, you know, social commentary, political uh, in nature, so that some of the stuff that I really liked was somewhat ephemeral and would just go, and that was it. As much as I loved it, like, I couldn't have a joke about, you know, Katrina on my 2011 release right, or something, right. you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, so that part of it was that. And the other part, when was Katrina? Maybe it was 2000. What? Well, you get the point. Right, yes. <laughs> Whenever Katrina was. Yes. <laughs> Whenever it would have been inappropriate <laughs> to do Katrina. Um, yeah, so basically it was the combination of that. And also I made a conscious decision about five or six years ago to kind of unplug from the business side of things. Uh, I got rid of all like representation management, um, not because of bad feelings towards anyone, but really just because I wanted to unplug and explore, you know, and make decisions for creative reasons rather than like when you're one client of 10 or 20 or however many, you're kind of plugged into a system where you do the next thing. You do the next logical thing on the treadmill of building a career. You know, you do this late night show, then you do pilot season, you do this, you do that. So it all became like, and you know, I'd been doing that for 15 years anyway. And I felt like, why am I doing the same things the same way? You know, like I should have more ownership of my life and the decisions that I make. And, 
you know, the path that I, that I choose. So I unplugged from that and consequently like great things started to happen career wise. You know, I, I hooked up with, um, Axis of Evil guys. Yeah. 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 Maz Jabrani, Dean Obadala, Ahmed Ahmed. Those guys contacted me and said, you know, we're starting to bring over American comics. Uh, so I toured the whole Middle East with those guys in front of Arab crowds, you know. So that was an incredible life experience going to Jordan, Qatar, um, you know, Kuwait, all, all over uh, Egypt, you know, all over the place. So these were great life experiences that were not like career driven. They were more life driven. But of course, you know, there is the career benefit. And then, uh, and then Louis just saw me one night at the cellar and asked me to open for him, which I did for uh, a lot of leading up to uh, Hilarious. Right. Um, you know, got to open for him at Carnegie Hall. So really, it was a blessing in the sense that I wasn't thinking about my career so much. I was just like trying to get better as a comedian, trying to challenge myself, and uh, and it, and it all it all worked. That's great. That's great. Yeah, you, oh, you've, you've always come across as very, I don't know, are you the type of person that meditates at all? I do, yeah. Not every day, but I do take time for some breathing and just kind of centering, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You've always, I've always, you've always come across that way to me, just in like your delivery. Your delivery is very, like you're not, the way you deliver jokes on stage, it's like you, you, you have this, you you're not rushing through anything. Everything is like perfect. Not to kiss your ass while I'm sitting here in your house, but like <laughs> everything seems very well crafted, very well timed. It's like, it's like when in a song, like when a drummer is in the pocket, just doing what he needs to do, not doing anything, you know, over and above what he needs to do for fear of, you know, he's going to screw up the song. Like that's, you seem very kind of at peace. Thanks. I would say it's accurate. I mean, you know, 20 years into a stand-up career, I am pretty much at peace mm-hmm. on stage. Um, I've worked all over the place, different settings, you know, uh, worked my way up and wasn't in a rush to do so. Yeah. So consequently, I think I gave myself that room to grow. Yeah. And also to not, you know, jump on the first incarnation of myself, you know, like my, like that my 30 year old self becomes who I am for the rest of my life because that's funny or that, that can be turned into a hook or whatever the case may be. Like I'm interested in continuing to grow and channeling that in my expression on stage. Um, And I think, you know, I had, again, by unplugging, I had the good fortune of kind of serving an apprenticeship uh, under Louis, picking his brain, you know, watching him at the height of when he was really becoming, you know, uh, kind of the phenomenon that he's become. Uh, You know, I got to uh, open for Craig Ferguson for a good stretch, uh, for Louis Black. You know, so if I were making decisions for my own career and my own benefit, you know, maybe I would have said like, you know, I, I should be headlining or why, you know, I shouldn't be opening or, right. But that was not my, my concern. My concern was interesting gigs with interesting people. Uh, I'm getting exposed to their audience, which which is big. Um, I'm learning from them. So I felt like all of that was sort of an apprenticeship to, uh, you know, hopefully prepare me for my own kind of, uh, path. Right. Now, are you, you are still unplugged? Uh, meaning in terms of the, the, the business? Yes. No, I do. I, I started up with management and representation like a year or two ago. Okay. Kind of feeling as though, you know, kind of voicing what you're voicing of like, let's go. <laughs> let's pick things up a little. <laughs> you know, I was working the whole time, but yeah, it was yeah. just like in the larger sense of putting out an album or you know, right. uh, a special, these kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, it was time for me to, to do those things again. So right. that's, that's what I did. Yeah. Now, do you feel like even though you are now plugged back in, do you feel you're treating that scenario different than you did, you know, right before you unplugged? 
Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm older. I'm more experienced. Um, I've learned a lot again from being around folks who have been through the ringer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference between being a comedian and having a job in show business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people like Louis has had several writing jobs, high profile. You know, Chris Rock, uh, Conan. He's uh, had his own show, uh, Lucky Louie, you know. So th- these are jobs in show business. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things you have to show up nine to five. And uh, comedian's not a job that you're really answering to anyone. Same with Lewis Black. Uh, Craig Ferguson obviously has a job. You know, so there's a lot more responsibility that goes along with a job in show business than uh, a career as a comedian right. entails. You know, like we when we have to wake up for morning radio right right. you know so <laughs> i have yet to have a job in show business uh not because i don't want one but i would like a job that i want to do that again makes me happy challenges me doesn't feel like a compromise right um so you know t- to speak to your point i think now i'm at a point where i know what i want i know who i am i know my voice and I'm very comfortable saying yes or no, or this is what I want, this is what I don't want. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good place to be uh, and a good po- uh, time to re-engage with the business and you know, kind of just put my, my projects back out there, um, both my hour and, uh, and my web series, Teacher's Lounge. Um, just two things that I've been working on for the past couple of years that I thought it would be appropriate to try to reach a, a larger audience with. Right. Um, and what's uh, what's going on with Teacher's Lounge? Teacher's Lounge is going to be coming out uh, next month in March uh, through Huffington Post. Oh, nice. We're going to roll out each of the four episodes that we shot. Um, and for those who may not know, Teacher's Lounge is based on my own teaching experiences. Yeah. Uh, I was a music teacher. So I play the music teacher, my buddy Hollis James, who I've collaborated with over the years. He plays the janitor. We're always just hanging out in the teacher's lounge of the school. (laughs) And then other comedians come in every episode playing faculty. So the four that we shot, we have Lewis Black as the principal. (laughs) Judy Gold is the gym teacher. Judah Friedlander is a computer science teacher. Uh, Ted Leo, musician, plays himself in in the fourth one. And uh, Judy, uh, I'm sorry, Janine Garofalo makes the public address announcements. Right. So So we're just really psyched, man, to, uh, we're going to do a Kickstarter to shoot the next slate of eight, uh, with folks like Jim Gaffigan and David Tell. Um, you know, uh, just various people from the comedy community. Yeah. Uh, and just, we just think it's like a really great venue, uh, vehicle to keep plugging in. Yeah, just comics. Yeah, that way you don't need you're the constant. I mean, there's a few constants, mm-hmm. uh, but other than that, there's no reason, you know, not to keep rolling in different people and and make it feel organic. Yeah, yeah, and and they'll play. You know, anyone that might be in a school, whether it's a parent, a, a teacher, someone who's just there for some odd reason, right? You know, engaging with the kids or whatever the case may be, an inspector. You know, so there's plenty of possibilities to just keep keep rolling people in and let them do their thing. And the cool thing is that Hollis and I write it, but we also leave room for improv to mm-hmm. let, you know, Lewis Black be Lewis Black. Sure. And we just, you know, kind of, I guess the way Curb works or some of these, uh, you know, just hit the bullet points and express right. A, B, and C, but do it however you want. Right, right. You're self-releasing the special. Why go that route? Yeah, you know, that was another consideration. Again, I thought like, should I make the push to make a bigger splash and, mm-hmm put it out with uh, a bigger company and all this you know I self-released my my first one as much as you want you know when it came right down to it like I think I'm just built to do my own thing you know I I like I like making the decisions Mm -hmm. I liked you know picking the photographer you know the 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 person who designed the uh the cover um I like making all of those decisions yeah you know and going to people that I know and not having to check with whoever that it's okay to do that you yeah. know and or 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 the venue you know i shot it at the creek in the cave in long island city which is a very small 30 seat club uh but it's a great place that i think played a role in my development over these last you know five or so years because i was playing rooms like the creek in the cave and other rooms like it that 
that are a little more experimental mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe tap into what you were talking about. Like, I do take my time and I do think on stage. Um, and, you know, I do that in clubs as well. But it's something that I've learned to do over these last five to ten years um, and kind of weave it seamlessly so that I do it in both settings, but perhaps a little bit more so in a club like the Creek. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a great decision and I hope more comedians go that route of starting to shoot specials in clubs. I mean, we've been seeing it. Sarah Silverman did her HBO thing in a, in a very small venue. Morgan Murphy just released hers, very small venue. Doug Stanhope has been doing, um, you know, he, you know, he shot one special at Gotham. He did another one. I think his newest one is in Portland at, at a club. Um, and I think it's really, I think it's really valuable to the comedy consumer to see comedy done in much more intimate settings, which is, I think most comedy fans would agree. That's, that's where it's, that's where it's best. Sure. It's, it's a nice spectacle to see a comedian, you know, like killing it in front of 3000 people. Um, you know, it makes it more like a rock show, but I mean, you know, some of my favorite shows I ever went to, I was like alone in a comedy club, just watching, you know, somebody in a, in a small venue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a very specific environment. Yeah. Very specific vibe. Yeah. You know that. And I agree as, as fun as it is to go to the carnival of a comedy special in, yeah. in a big theater with a sweeping cameras and a yeah. crowd that's been whipped into a frenzy. <laughs> yeah. It kind of rings false to me, like in terms of it's not what I do every night. Yeah. You know, what I do most every night is get up in front of a crowd that may or may not know me mm-hmm. and try to win them over and, you know, make them laugh and uh, bring them to me with my style, you know, uh, so I think this special really captures all of that um, as opposed to the kind of fabricated, uh, you know, frenzy of, of a typical special. Right, right. So um, people will be able to uh, download and stream yes. this from your site, correct? That's right. Ted, TedAlexander.com. That's right. I love it. Yeah, man. It's, you know, as as long as it took, and I hope you can feel this way finally too. <laughs> And by the way, by the way, I mean, I mean this as, as a compliment. I don't, I I don't genuinely want to make you feel horrible (laughs) or that I, or that you, or, or that you think, I think you've not been producing. No, I know. I know. know Not that, not that it matters what the hell I think about your (laughs) output in life. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. And, and you make a valid point, but I do think that I am very much uh, at peace with how this has all come together. Because, you know, and, and that said, along the way, there's moments where you're like, oh, man, like, this is taking too long. Or, yeah. you know, I should have put something out. Or, you know, maybe I should just sign with this person and put it out through that label. Right. Or, you know what I mean? All the things that you can do. But now I'm like, oh, man, this is great. You know, I'm doing it the way I want. I self-produced it. I paid for everything. I, I got the people I wanted to work with. I sat there and, and uh, worked with the editor. So it's... It's me, man, and it's the way it's kind of the way I live too. So it's I'm just happy with the way it came out. Yeah. Good. I I can't wait to to watch it. Thanks. And and the other thing is if somebody do, I mean you you like you said, you paid for it, you own it. It's it's all yours. So if somebody does want to do something else with it, right. y- you have the option to do that. Yes. Uh and that's the best of both worlds cuz you released it the way you wanted to. And if, you know, and if a Netflix wants it or if, you know, if somebody wants it, you know, they know where to find let it. them, let them fucking drop a truckload of money on you. Sure. That'd be nice too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But in the meantime, like I try to keep in mind with like what is fun about what I do and what I like, which is I wrote these jokes. I sat and, you know, these, the, the mysterious nature of any creative pursuit that you sit there in a quiet room. And an idea comes to you or, you know, you're performing on stage and something, some inspiration comes, you know, the kind of, I, I kind of write both ways now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you know, you have this hour to perform for people 
you know, and on top of which, all of the other kind of decisions that I that that I discussed, you know, just it just it's satisfying that you take ownership in in every regard, you know, that you're. It's the opposite of what I was talking about earlier when I decided to take that break, right? Where I felt like I was just being led around like yeah. like a sheep. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'll do that. Yes. You know, you get an email. This is what you're doing next. Yes. Okay. Now you're going to this. Okay, I'll do that. You know, instead of like, what, what do I want to do? Right. You know? So it was it was valuable for all those reasons. Yeah. Do you have like a string of dates lined up? Or are you going to stick around the city? What do you, what do you, what's next? Well, I'm going to Philly uh, next week, Helium, uh, 19th to the 22nd. I'm going out to uh, Michigan, um, Royal Oak. Oh, okay. Nice. Comedy Castle. Nice. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'll be doing some road stuff uh, and probably we'll try to beef that up uh, throughout the rest of the year because I'm, my, my intention is to not wait 10 years for the next one. But <laughs> hopefully within a, a year or two, it, that's, that's what I'm going to hold myself to. You're like the, the Weezer of comedy. Remember when <laughs> they put out, they put out the second album and then it was like forever for the third album. And then they just started pooping out albums like every year <laughs> right right <laughs> i'll have my my fat elvis like weezer stage where <laughs> i'm just cashing in <laughs> so you you mentioned and this is the, uh, this uh, a comedian's life is something that always interests me because a i am not a comedian i've never been a comedian i've never really wanted to be a comedian it just seems it seems too difficult and i don't have uh, i don't have enough uh, my skin is not thick enough for it so uh it's by your fragile hands on the yes way. i have very fra- <laughs> i have very girly hands look at these i'm like double jointed i'm i'm i have very i'm, I'm referring to the wet the way the weather uh, affects <laughs> yes the yes weather. they do i'm i'm like a cross between a girl and an old man <laughs> oh my hands i'm 36 i feel like a an 80 year old um, so, so you mentioned it's, it's a little past noon now. You mentioned, you, you know, comedians, you know, they hate it when they have to get up and, uh, do, uh, morning radio. So what, what is an average day? When do you, when do you, you know, awake from your slumber? What do you, what do you do? I usually wake up anywhere between nine and 10, you know, 10 30. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then some days I'll kind of take like the quiet time that we were discussing, like just maybe just sit and do a little breathing and that kind of stuff and just centering and not immediately jump into the, the craziness of the, the computer or right. the phone. You know, I, I usually don't set an alarm either. I, I don't like to, I don't, you know, that, that's kind of something in, in recent years that I, I realized like I'm setting an alarm, like, you wake up alarmed, you know? Right. <laughs> 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 so I just, I figured like, I don't have, like, let me just go to bed at a reasonable hour and wake up when I wake up. Right. You know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then I'll go to the gym, uh, maybe three, four days a week, you know, just like things that make me feel good and kind of keep me balanced. Yeah. And, uh, then writing usually, uh, whether it's comedy or otherwise, you know, for usually a couple hours. Now, do you, do you go to the gym because it, it genuinely makes you feel good or you feel guilty if you don't go? I would say it's more the, uh, the former than the latter. Like I do feel guilty if a, you know, a week or two goes by and I haven't. Um, but it's really more that it's part of my lifestyle, you know? Um, I think like an overall, like healthy lifestyle that makes me feel good Mm -hmm. mentally and physically and all, you know, all of this shows up on the stage, you know, like things don't happen in a vacuum. Like the person that I am on stage, you know, and the style that I speak in and all of that comes from, you know, a million little decisions that you make in your life. Right. Um, you don't just show up on stage and, and be that, you know, whoever you are, it's, it's because of the way that you live, yeah. you know, and all, all of the life decisions that you make inform your comedic perspective. Yeah. Um, so I try to make good life decisions because that's what shows up on stage. You know, I don't, I don't work backwards from like, what's, you know, like 
what's going to further my career, you know, what's going to make me funnier or whatever. I just think of like what makes for a good, balanced, interesting, healthy life, you know, and, and sometimes getting out of my comfort zone, you know, challenging myself in, in those types of ways. Mm-hmm. And then I do think that all of those things, you know, maybe not overtly, but in some subtle way or other, show up with who you are on stage. Yeah. 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 It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, okay. So Jim, Jim, then back home. Yep. Back home. Uh, just clean myself up and then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe go to, uh, okay. So this is important. You, you don't, you don't clean yourself up at the gym. You wait till you can get home. These are the details I, I like. Know, I used to not be a fan of that, but I've been doing more of that lately, uh, cleaning up at the gym, especially if I have somewhere to go right after. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of like to handle my business, you know, in private. Sure. Some of these guys, you know, as as we all know, just like there's a comfort level that I don't really have with yeah. uh, just walking around the locker room and stuff. Old guys usually. Old guys, yeah. Are very comfortable. Yeah. They will carry on a, an entire conversation with you with their balls hanging out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I kind of shy away from that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, so once I'm home, just, you know, shower, whatever, and uh, sometimes write at home, other times go down to, uh, you know, the cafe, yeah. Walt's Astoria, or one of the others, like, sometimes I'll go, go, go into Greenpoint or Williamsburg, just for a change of scenery, Yeah, find a quiet place, you know, sometimes a library, um, yeah, just I try to change up my locales just so that keeps me interested and you're looking at different things. Right. All that. Got it. How many nights a week are you, you know, doing spots? I would say typically uh, four or five nights, mm-hmm. you know, probably seven to ten spots a, mm-hmm. a week. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not really a hard, fast rule that I, you know, I hold myself to, but... It usually turns out to be about that. Got it. Are you doing spots tonight? Tonight I am not. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night I will be. This this is like a busy kind of prep week because of uh, yeah, yeah. the special. But sure. uh, yeah, so it's a little lighter than usual. Good, good. Yeah. All right. All right. I have a good sense of uh, how you live your life now, Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's a pretty simple, quiet life, uh, you know, but then there is family, friends, uh, activism. It certainly factors in too. Uh, but I try to, again, balance is, is has always been a key word for me. Mm-hmm. If I find myself swinging too far in one direction or I'm pretty good at self-correcting, like, you know, identifying like that's probably not a good behavior. Uh, you know, you're getting a little crazy with this or that, mm-hmm. or even if it's not necessarily like a bad behavior, like an unhealthy behavior, but just that it's um, an imbalance. You're spending too much time. You're, you're neglecting the the other parts of yourself, right, or your life. You know, so uh, if I have any kind of talent, uh, I think <laughs> it's it's for it's for that. It's for recognizing <laughs> the need for balance. All right. <laughs> that's a, I don't know if that's marketable talent, but <laughs> lucky for you, you ha- you already have a marketable talent. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned activism. I know you were uh, very active with the, with the Occupy Wall Street movement. Um, so, uh, you know, part of what I, I wanted to talk to you about is, What's good? Like, just what is what is your your overall? Because I know you have uh, interesting ideas about uh, this sort of stuff. What is what is your overall kind of takeaway with what is going on in Washington right now? With you know, Obama, you know, the the new health care. The older I get, Ted, the more disenfranchised. I mean, I think this is probably normal. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the more disenfranchised I get, and the more I start thinking that no matter who is in office, it doesn't matter. And we're all doomed. <laughs> are we, are we doomed Ted? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. It's a very, is the middle class doomed? I guess is yeah, my real question. Cause yeah. the rich people are doing fucking, they're fine. Right. 
Right. Yeah, you could definitely make a case for that, you know? I mean, uh, over 30 years, you know, uh, the working class, the middle class has been decimated. You know, mm -hmm. unions have been attacked. Um, all of the things that you're talking about are true. You know, uh, working class working harder than ever, uh, but wages have, you know, the value of wages have in fact decreased yeah. since the 70s. Um, so, yeah. Um, are we doomed is a good question, but that's why I'm involved. You know, that's why I'm, I'm out there participating. And I think that's the key, uh, is finding your little place that you can make an impact, you know, wherever that is. We started up Occupy Astoria, Long Island City locally, mm -hmm. uh, myself and a couple of neighbors who live on my block that I actually met at Zuccotti Park. You know, I'd lived right. next to them for eight years, I think at that time, and we'd never met, but I met right. them down there <laughs> and now we're like you know the best of friends uh so we started up occupy astoria and now we have you know something like over 300 people on our facebook page so we do things locally uh and we tap into the larger movement as well when necessary when needed uh you know pete seeger who, ju who just died uh legendary singer songwriter mm -hmm. and activist he's such a great model i think in terms of the way he lived um here's a guy that acted locally you know he would go to just even the smallest little gatherings of of whatever the particular cause was bring his banjo and sing like there's countless stories of you know activists being on the side of a highway protesting something right and pete seeger would show up and, right. <laughs> and i heard one story where he actually crossed the road to to the opposition uh -huh. and like hung out with them and talked to them too so so there's a great example of a guy who is you know a quote-unquote celebrity right but is just doing the small things, you know, and, and any time that we, I think, link with community and, you know, lend our voice and our presence, you know, with others, that is time well spent. Um, because those are the things that really ripple out and matter, you know, and, and really might be our only line of defense at this point, uh, because those little things do grow, you know, and I think that's what's been happening in the uh, months and years since uh occupy wall street was evicted from the park yeah you know, that message has resonated so that a lot of grassroots organizing has been going on since uh, and a lot of kind of community community organizations have been linking up and a lot of cool things have been happening on the ground that obviously aren't going to be in the you know the mainstream press right right so i mean i know this is a, a kind of a lofty a lofty question but I mean, fundamentally, what what needs to happen? So right now, I mean, there's just a a huge there's a huge gap between you know what you would consider wealthy people and the middle class. Um, I think that gap has gotten larger mm -hmm. over the last few years. So you know, and Barack Obama has tried. You know, I, th I think he's tried to close that gap and I don't know that anything's really working. Yeah. Like what, what need, what, from a fundamental perspective, what, what needs to happen and does it, and does it matter if he's in office or if, you know, uh, somebody from the GOP is in office? Unfortunately, I don't think it really matters very much at all. I think both parties are kind of beholden to corporate interests, yeah. as, as we've seen through, you know, whether it was uh, Carter, Reagan, Bush, you know, Clinton's the one who repealed Glass-Steagall, uh, which kind of let the banks run wild. So whether it's Democrat or Republican, you know, Bush, Obama, um, we've seen, you know, a decimation of working class people, you know, and, and the landscape that used to allow for the American dream, like kind of to scale, you know, that allowed for class mobility, yeah. um, which isn't there really anymore. So, uh, you know, I, I think what has to happen is that government has to be reclaimed by the people, um, that it can't be serving the corporate interests, which is really what it does almost exclusively now. Um, and it's so hard to, uh, to take back, you know, that power because uh, it's pretty much lock, stock and barrel. But um, I think it can happen. And I think, you know, uh, there was a socialist candidate out in Seattle who just who just upset. Uh, she won the city council. Uh, Shama Sawant is her name um, and overtook like a long standing Democrat because she ran on a very 
um, Occupy type of platform and $15 minimum wage, uh, took no uh. corporate money. Um, so those types of grassroots organizing, you know, I mean, I don't identify as a, a socialist or as any other. I don't really have a an affiliation. Yeah. And I think those affiliations largely are kind of what what are divisive and it's what damaging fighting with each other yeah you know like let's have conversations about issues you know um and things that will really help people and families and you know uh, health care and like why why are people going bankrupt because they can't afford health care when when it's some kind of tragic situation occurs or, yeah you know, why are people coming out of college with mountains of debt that that <laughs> enslaves them for, for the rest of their lives <laughs> You know, like and no job prospects. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so there's a lot of things to consider, you know, but again, that's why I, I stay tapped in and, and I also am around people who inspire me, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, I'm pretty recent to the activism game, um, but I've met so many people that just live great, great lives and are interesting people, smart people that inspire me to do better and to learn more. So, uh, you know, I would say that that all probably tapped into what we were discussing earlier too. And, like what I've been doing in the, in the, in these ten years, uh, I've been growing a lot in in that regard as well, and learning a lot, and um, yeah, just being around people who kind of nourish me and challenge me in in ways that maybe otherwise I wouldn't be. Yeah, I would like to reach that point. I th- I think it's a good, I think it's a healthy model, and hopefully someday I will. Yeah, man. embrace a model <laughs> because right now it's just like I feel like. I mean, yeah, you know, we were just talking, uh, I have two kids, I have a wife, which is great, but, uh, you feel, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, a lot of conflict. It's just like you wake up and there's just conflict. Mm-hmm. There's phys- there's, there's conflict in front of you. There's conflict in your head. There's, and, uh, you know, you start feeling shitty about not doing, uh, you know, the things that you know you, you should be doing. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, and you've, you've talked about your lifestyle on stage about, you know, how you feel, uh, you've won, uh, you're, you're on, me- you're, you did it, you did it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, 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 you don't have kids, you're happy, you're, uh, you're happily unmarried, happily, I assume. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean this walking into the, this place. It's like quiet. <laughs> it's like, this is like, and you know, I know the grass is always greener, but uh, this is nice. I could sit on this couch for another four to five hours, Ted. <laughs> You're welcome to. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll, I'll run errands for you. I don't care. I'll do your grocery shopping. Yeah, um, well, I think it's true what you say, though. I mean, the grass is always greener. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not one of those single guys that takes like an antagonistic view towards marriage. You know, I hope to get married, you know, if I find the right woman and like, you know, start a family and all that, uh, you know, I kind of feel like I'm built for it. But, uh, but I also don't want, you know, we discussed earlier about like finding the right partner yeah, and the right person that you want to raise a family with. Cause yeah. it's such an important decision. It is. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm in no rush to, you know, if yeah. it, when, when that happens, it happens. If it happens, it happens. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that is, uh, and we talked about this with not recording, but, uh, yeah, that's finding the right, the right partner. That's, that's crucial because, yeah. uh, cause looks fade <laughs> and, uh, Ron White has this, that this bit is the name of his album. You can't fix stupid. And it's, it's all about, it's, I mean, that, I mean, that's it. That's reality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hot wife is nice, but, uh, it's a long road. It's a long, it's a long road, Ted. Yeah. But you know, to get back to what you're saying, I think the answer is, you know, just make those simple decisions that point you in a direction that you're happy with, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, and and surround yourself with people who inspire you, you know, show up at one, you know, quote unquote meeting or, or just whatever group you're compelled to, you know, volunteer. Like you'll yeah. just, you'll be around people because it's an, it's a hopeful act. Like yeah. showing up is a hopeful act, right? So you feel good about that. Even, even if like once you get there, like you are commiserating and saying like, oh, things are really <laughs> fucked up, right? 
<laughs> but you're talking to people who who know, you know right right so there's a measure of solace in that shit man i feel like i've just been life coached <laughs> i have been life coached that was an alternate title for the uh for the special is that true <laughs> ted alexander life coach no <laughs> <laughs> listen to me i'm like that would be great <laughs> i would buy that yeah people scoff at the concept of life coaching ah, that's stupid I'm like, that sounds great. Like, can somebody tell me if you know a life coach? I will go to that person. I'm all about seeking out help. Um, so, all right. I think, I think this is, I think we've had a nice chat. Yes. This is a good time to, to end things. If there, is there anything else you wanted to kind of talk about that I didn't address, Ted? No, man. I think, uh, I think we hit it, you know? Um, yeah. I did it is uh is uh is out I guess and uh yeah man I'm I'm I just would like to say that I'm I'm really proud of it and it was the culmination of living these last 10 years you know and a lot of decisions like I said along the road yeah that that kind of birthed the special that this is and what I like too is that it is you know when you look at my first one and yeah. my second one it's 10 years so obviously I'm two different guys but um, but I'm really proud that I think it, it, both capture where I am as a 35 year old 34 year old I guess and 30 and 44 year old uh, when this was shot um, so yeah you know I, I think it really I'm, pr- I'm proud of like of of the uh, what it what it represents right yeah not just the special itself but the the progression the the how the special came about yeah all of that i mean i'm proud of the the special and the material you know it's kind of like a a combination of uh some greatest hits from these last years Mm -hmm. with uh newer stuff and storytelling and it's got all of the things that i do in it you know so yeah so both both in terms of comedically and also like what it represents in terms of my growth yeah Um, i just uh, i'm proud of it nice can't wait to watch it, Ted. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. You're welcome. And there you have it, Ted Alexandro. Remember, go to tedalexandro.com and stream and or download I Did It, his new stand-up comedy special, his first in 10 years. Make sure you do that. Laughspin.com is where you should be going every day. For your dose of comedy news and videos and analysis and all that good stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Laugh Spin Podcast. I am Dylan Godino, editor of LaughSpin.com. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>